Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You found a dummy when there is a stupid, simple way of making or improving the profit of the property and it hasn't been done yet. So you walk in, you're just like, oh my God, why is this not being done? Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Dale DeGagne. How's it going, Dale? going great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Glad to have you on the show. Dale is joining us from all the way in Thailand where he is living and it's part of his story because he reached financial freedom using real estate in under 10 years using on a military salary. He has been investing in small multi-unit buildings, student rentals, done a couple flips. Interesting to note about Dale, well, many interesting things. One is he's living in Thailand now, but two is he was in two branches of the military, both the Army and the Air Force, so I'm sure you feel conflicted whenever that football game rolls around. With that being said, Dale, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Uh, My background in the military was in the Army and in the Air Force. I did one tour in Afghanistan. And in terms of real estate, I stuck mainly to smaller unit buildings, uh, usually up to about four units. I did some student rentals and some flips. Uh, What I'm doing now is I I work with uh, financially frustrated people to help them rethink and redo their money so that they can get to their version of a good life faster. So let's talk about specifics around your investments and and how you got to this point. You know, my brother is in uh, the army and his wife's in the National Guard and so I, I know a, a decent amount of people in the military, and this is going to be a great program, not only for the best ever listeners, but then also best ever listeners who are in the military. 
How do you approach investing whenever I imagine you're bouncing around from base to base? For myself, I was lucky enough to stick between a couple of bases that were, were quite close. And, uh, and I picked a trade that's part of the reason that I picked uh, the, tra- the move to the Air Force was because I had found a city that I liked investing in. I thought it was, uh, it was really working well for me. And I wanted to stick there. And so I, I, did, I chose a trade that was only stationed at that base, which meant that I would, I would definitely go there and stay there a long time. Uh, so I was able to overlook my, my rentals there. If the military listeners out there, best of listeners, can find a way to, to stick closer to one base, then, then that's the best, uh, best option. And you can always uh, go ahead and, and have people manage it that you know or that you trust while you're away for a couple of years at a time. What city is that that you enjoyed investing in? That was in North Bay, Ontario in Canada, actually. It's where I did my investing. Well, that opens up a whole new can of worms about Canadian investing. I, I don't know if we'll have time for all that, but maybe as far as investing and you've got, walk us through it. Like, let's get into some specifics. Like, walk us through the first purchase. Walk us through how the first purchase went to the second purchase. How are you financing? What are you buying? Okay. My first purchase, I started with a triplex. Uh, you know, just you know, traditional financing. I went out and I, I worked my butt off, saved my butt off and found the down payment and I went hunting for a really good property. My second one, I, I again saved, but I refinanced the second or the first one to purchase the second and the renovations. Uh, the third one I purchased with my uh, savings that I had when I went to Afghanistan, I actually, uh, I actually rented out everything I had everything or sorry my all my like my my house my personal home i rented that out i put everything in storage i took my truck off the road everything and i cut my expenses down to zero and so i saved a lot of money that way and bought my third property there and uh, yeah i just kept doing that again all traditional financing the whole way through uh, i didn't ever kind of deviate from that so you're putting 20 percent, 25 percent down on each of these properties no actually i for the first one, I put 10%. The second one, it was a personal family home or single family home. It just happened to have a granny suite in it. And what I did was I, I put nine, I put 5% down and I renovated it to, uh, to make the granny suite a little more rentable. And then I rented out the rooms in the house uh, as a single guy, rented out the rooms plus the granny suite. And then when I moved out, I put a, a, single, a single family in the, the upper bedrooms. What's a granny suite? The granny suite is uh, is a, a secondary, uh, sorry, second unit with a second separate entrance, but they have a shared door in between, and uh, usually they're one bedrooms. They have their own kitchenette and their own bathroom. Uh, the only difference between that and a duplex is that there is a door in between, and it's, it's usually used for people who have uh, in laws who are you know usually disabled or or need to be living very close to the family, but they don't want the in law living quite with them and so they have their own space but they can they have access to the other place through a door and what you just do is just lock both doors put a fireproof door in between and there's usually not an issue ah okay i'd never heard of that term before so you got the triplex the second property which is a house it sounds like right multi-unit house and then the third property what's the third property third property was a fourplex uh that he had converted into a single family home for himself, uh, but it was quite obvious that it was a fourplex just based on where they had uh, knocked out walls and 
uh, and taken out doors and stuff. And so I just replaced the doors and, and a couple of the kitchens and I was good to go. And then after the third property, what happened? Third property, I met my wife between the time I bought my third and I bought my fourth and fifth. And uh, during that time, so she ended up uh, moving home. We started to pool our resources and we decided that we were going to really make a big push. Uh, and so in about nine months, we, we started with around 40 grand and in nine months we saved another 60 and we used that 100 grand total to put 20% down on two different places. Uh, both of them being student rentals, single family, five bedrooms, a good student, or, sorry, near a university, near a good university, and uh, upper upper class student rentals, not the typical ones where you where people are like destroying them. We focused on good areas and good places. We put really nice locks on the doors and and kept just really up kept them. You know, did the little things like made sure there's fire extinguishers in the kitchen, and then uh, and we targeted upper middle class or students that came from upper middle class families that brought their parents to show the, or to, to house hunt or apartment hunt with them. And so we rented out our student rentals for premiums. Where are those located? Uh, again, those are located in North Bay. Are all of your properties in North Bay? Yeah, every single one. I, I've done flips in other towns, but all of my long-term real estate investments are in North Bay. How many properties are you at right now? Right now, I, we hold five. Okay. So with financing on all five of the properties, what's the cash flow that they spit off? The return on investment is approximately 18%, yeah, around about 18% per year. And the actual cash flow, I mean, it varies depending on uh, on vacancy, obviously, but like my worst year, I'll, I'll bring out 40 grand out of it. And my best closer to 60. Which one's your favorite from a dollars and cents standpoint? My favorite is by far the fourplex. It's my favorite because the the unique thing about that deal is it comes with 12 acres of land just on the outskirts of the city. So I don't, I've reduced expenses because I don't have to pay water bills from the city, but I do get a, what's they call a grandfather. I get grandfathered in for severance after 10 years. So I can sever those land or that land and I can distribute it to my closest family if I if I wish after 10 years. And when I do that, the value of the property will actually, or what the price I paid for it will actually be covered by the value of the land. And so I can just split the uh, the land out. So that's, that's probably my favorite because it has that unique twist to it. It, it still makes me excellent money uh, every month and it carries its own weight for sure. But in after about another four years, I think I got to wait. And you know, after that, it's like a free and clear property. So it's pretty nice. With the properties that you have now, I'm gathering that you're probably Canadian, yes? Yes, I'm Canadian. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, that fact slipped me earlier. I was like, wait a second, everything's in Canada and he sounds Canadian. So, And now I'm looking at your Skype profile and there's a little Canadian flag next to you. So I'm pretty quick to pick up on all those clues <laughs> and I put them all together. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a Canadian. I love my maple syrup and my hockey. And a uh, quick story about traveling in the United States, though, because I do love the United States. Um, when I was just before I went to Afghanistan, I went to Hawaii with a friend of mine and we just like just went to chill out just before I went on my tour. And I showed up at the airport with my Canadian duffel bag uh, 
And they looked at me and said, are you military? I said, yeah, I'm Canadian military, though, not U.S. And they, they're like, that's okay. No free, no, no baggage charge for you. Don't worry about it, sir. Thank you very much for serving your country. Awesome. I have <laughs> never been so respected anywhere in the world for being military, except in the United States. So my hat's off to the entire U.S. citizenship. Oh, well, we, we thank you for, you know, your, your service, too. And yes, military, we hold near and dear to our hearts. At least I, I do, and I think I can speak for the best ever listeners as well, because without the military serving all over in every country for the good things, then we wouldn't be able to have this conversation and, and be talking real estate and, and have the safety that we have. Absolutely. Well, Dale, what is your best Canadian real estate investing advice ever? <laughs> well, I made sure I tailored this to everybody, right? I made sure it was not country specific. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So everyone's heard about the three D's of real estate deals, right? Death, divorce, and debt. Well, there's actually a fourth D and that's dummies. All right. My best real estate investing advice is this, is to look for dummies doing a bad job running good properties. Now, you know, you found a dummy when you walk into a property and the word potential like smacks you on the forehead so hard it leaves you dizzy. You know, maybe it's a rundown house in a great area or it simply needs better tenants or maybe it's just... Uh, building that comes with a bunch of useless land, which was my my case with my fourplex. The point is you found a dummy when there is a stupid, simple way of making or improving the profit of the property and it hasn't been done yet. So you walk in, you're just like, oh my God, why is this not being done? I'm going to make so much money. That's when you found a dummy. And that is a reoccurring theme with these properties because you've added value in at least two of them that I'm, well, let's see. The, the second one, you had the granny suite and you did some updates there. The third property you had, there was a single family that was obvious to you, but perhaps not others, that it was, a, it could be a fourplex. And, and then the, the student rentals with the fourth and fifth properties. I mean, you, you had a vision for it and you converted them into upper class student rentals. How do you hone your, your mindset and, and how do you know what to look for? Because those are all very unique ways of adding value. I think, I think the first thing is to realize that there's, you know, there is, there's death, debt, and divorce. And if it's not one of those three, uh, those three things, then it's either they're a dummy or it's a guy who's just selling his worst property. Because I'll tell you, if I'm going to sell any property, I'm not going to sell my best cash flow generating property. So you, you have to look for potential in properties. You have to when you walk in the door. And a couple of killers, I guess, when it comes to, comes to killing cash flow is, uh, is tenants themselves, right? As the, it's, if, if you walk in and they're, they're crappy tenants, you know, or the place is crappy, you just know that nobody's going to want to pay for a crappy product. Really. I mean, if you're in real estate, you're renting real estate, your product is your, uh, is your apartments. Right. So if you're not, you got to make sure that you are renting and, and developing your properties and to target a certain group uh, to hone your skills. I think you just really need to look outside the box or think outside the box uh, about how you can increase profit the most. Uh, one of the ways that I did that in my first property was I made sure that uh, I stopped the, the guy who was own, owned it before me. He was char- nickel and diamond. He was charging them for parking. Uh, as well as having rundown apartments. So I stopped charging for parking. I put in free laundry and I converted the garage in the back to add storage uh, for each unit. All perks for 
you know, not for, you know, I did raise the rents when, when new people came in, but not for the old tenants, obviously. Uh, and I did that because when you treat your tenants well, they usually treat you well. So, I mean, you just look, think outside the box, you look for ways to make profit based on, you know, on being a good businessman. And that doesn't mean squeezing out every last nickel and dime from people. That means uh, providing value to people and, and making their life better. And that will make your life better in the end. When, when you came up with the ideas of the, the free laundry and, and converting it to storage, was that a need that they had expressed or is that something that you just saw going into it? That's something I saw going into it. The, the nearest laundromat was, uh, was over two kilometers away. They didn't have any storage, despite the fact that there was you know, a garage sitting there. You just wouldn't let them use it. And there was enough space for, for parking, but it wasn't anything special, really. So I didn't see uh, a reason to be charging for that. What I did look at and what I do know about humans, though, if you make life easy for them, uh, you can charge them more, right? You, you get all-inclusive deals at resorts. Uh, they're not, you know, if they were to, to charge you by the nickel and dime or by the drink, people don't like that, right? They're not really, it doesn't make them happy. But if you give someone an all-inclusive deal, it make life, makes life easy for them. Well, you know, it just makes it easier for them to say yes. That's a rich insight, my friend. If you make life easy for humans, you can charge them more. I love that. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh, yep, yeah, go for it. I don't know. You don't sound like you're ready. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I don't remember what questions are in the lightning round, though, so you just spit them out, and I'll do my best to answer them. That's even better. I, I like it whenever you're on your toes. All right, first, a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-e-n-d.com forward slash best ever. Interested in apartment building investing but don't know where to start? Then check out all the free resources from my friend Michael Blanc. Go to themichaelblanc.com for a free ebook plus articles and videos. That's T H E M I C H A E L B L A N K.com. Okay, Dale, best ever book you've read? Best ever book, Drive by Daniel Pink. What's that about? Uh, it's a it's about motivation and it's not a motivating book it's about what motivates people the autonomy mastery and purpose those three things you have them in your life you're going to be motivated to do uh, to do your best at anything so if you're a business owner if you're whatever autonomy mastery purpose know those things and know how to apply them to you to the people you want to motivate best ever listeners i know you like audio so you can go to free besteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it Personal growth. Uh, when I was 24, I was still in the military. I went out and I got myself a summer job as a whitewater rafting guide. And what I learned there was, well, actually, I met some of the most brokest, fun-loving, happy people. We got the world by the balls type people. But they were broke, right? And I'm sitting there building my real estate empire. And, and I learned that success in life isn't measured in dollars. It's measured in how you use those dollars in order to live your version of a good life. If that's all there is to it. It's about how you live it and spend it, not about how much you have in the bank. Best ever success habit you practice? Do the most important thing first every day. Don't check your email. Don't go on Facebook. Whatever you need to get done, sit down at the computer, sit down wherever you got to do it, and do it. Don't waste time, right? Because at the end of the day, 
things come up through the day, you may not be able to get it, get anything else done. At least you can end the day and look back and say, man, I got the most important thing done. I am productive. What time do you wake up and what's your morning look like? My kids wake up uh, almost like clockwork around 5.45, 6 o'clock. Get up, change their, change their diapers. I got twin 18 month old. Uh, they, you know, they play around and we drink coffee. Usually I do up some dishes. And seven o'clock, I walk upstairs, sit down at the computer, and with my organizer, see the most important thing to be done, and I do it. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal. It's got to be that fourplex I was telling you about. The like I said, the in about another four years, I can sever up the uh, or parcel out the land, and the land value is going to be more than what I paid for the house. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Well, the the most exciting project I have right now is the Good Life Financial Training System. Um, like I said, I, I help financially frustrated people uh, rethink and redo their money. And what that really means is that uh, for this system, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be jumping into trenches with these people, with my uh, with my clients, and I'm going to teach them how to increase their monthly cash flow by anywhere between 10 to 25 percent of their income without going out and getting a second job. So essentially, I'm going to help them be 10 to 25% more efficient, and that money is going to be sitting in the bank at the end of the month, ready to be be done with whatever they want, right? Whether it's investing or paying off debt or or whatever, right? So 10 to 25% of income, pretty exciting stuff for them. Pilot goes live next month sometime. How do you increase your income 10 to 25% without getting another job? You know, you increase your free cash flow at the end. You get more efficient with what you have, uh, and you do that by just applying the right mindset to the right, uh, right systems. You know, a lot of people think they, you know, for example, I'll take people through this system and they'll be like, I spend $200 eating out every month and they wake up and they realize I spend $400 and on top of that, I order $300 worth of pizza every night or every month because I'm just too tired. All right, all of a sudden they got, you know, $500 that they're like, hey, I didn't know I spent it there. I'm going to now take this money and I'm going to put it towards real estate investing, for example. And I'm going to find a better way to, to ease myself when, I, when I'm when i too tired to cook. What's a good way to track those expenses? Uh, best way to track those expenses is just any software program out there. I mean, they're all the same. You need a budget, every dollar, uh, mint.com. doesn't really matter. It, shoot, use a spreadsheet. It uh, doesn't really matter. The point is that uh, you can write everything down in those spreadsheets. I also encourage them using either an app on your phone or even just a blue book. My old method was the blue book method. I just, whenever I bought something, right at the time of purchase, I made sure I wrote it down and, and what it was for. And that kind of just drills into your head that you're, you're spending money and now you're spending money on something. There's nothing wrong with spending that money, but you got to think that that's going to impact every future purchase you're ever going to make. Right? So is it worth it? Right? And then you take it, you put it in your spreadsheets at the end of the month. And you look at it and say, oh, wow, I did spend this much money here, or I did spend that much money there. Maybe I want to cut back. Best ever way you like to give back? I get an immense sense of pleasure by giving back discreetly and anonymously to, uh, to either friends on hard times or organizations I care about. Um, and I just like, I like watching their reactions. Uh, one of my biggest dreams, actually, is to be able to drop a brand new car in a friend's driveway on Christmas morning with the keys and an unsigned Merry Christmas card, and that's it. And just, you know, have him, like, shout it all over social media. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that needs to be filmed on video, too. Yeah, private cam or hidden camera. Awesome. Absolutely. Good idea. Best ever quote? Edmund Burke, 
back in the uh, French Revolution said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Biggest mistake? This one hurts because I am the, the I'm the financial planning guy, right? Uh, so this one hurts to tell. But when I hit that financial freedom mark, this is going to be a, a good lesson to the best ever listeners here. I hit that financial freedom mark. I did what I had been dreaming about doing. I, I quit my job. I quit the military. And you know, my wife and I, we booked tickets and we went traveling. And we're like, this is awesome. We've won. All right. We're financially free. Our income covers our expenses. And within a year, I realized two things. Number one, my lifestyle traveling looks nothing like my lifestyle uh, when I was a working Joe. And sorry for the pun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was actually more expensive, so it didn't look anything like it was more expensive. And and number two, I learned that you know, or I didn't even think about it, but rental rates don't exactly keep up with expenses all the time, right? It goes in ebbs and flows. Right, so you know, one year you're gonna be more profitable than the next. I mean, that's all it is. That's all there is to it. In the end, I became not financially free because my expenses went up, my income stayed the same. You know, so I mean, financial freedom is yeah, it's, it's a point you hit, but uh, you may be aware it as a badge. But unless you're careful, you can fall out of financial freedom just as fast as fast as you get into it. So the best way to avoid that, I think, would be that. You know, just plan financial freedom with a margin of safety. Like whenever you do anything with real estate or planning in general, you should be using a margin of safety. You buy a property, make sure you get it for as low as price as you can, because you need a margin of safety. When you evaluate the cash flow, you say, oh, "I think this property is going to make me eight hundred dollars a month." Well, you give yourself a margin of safety. Say it's going to make you six hundred. Everything you do, you should be having a margin of safety on it. Because sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right. In the end. All things change no matter what. So you got to be a good Boy Scout, plan a margin of safety, be prepared for inevitable change. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me is daledegagne.com. Uh, I know that's hard to spell for some people. So uh, it's D-A-L-E and then the word engaged spelled backwards dot com. Oh, I like that. Interesting. I'll have to figure out what my last name backwards spells, like Seslafa. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and yeah, talking about finding value in properties that others aren't finding value in. That's the theme. That's the theme of this episode. And that is just an incredible skill set for everybody to have because there's always an opportunity with any property. First, the seller has to be realistic on what their uh, property is worth. And then, you know, we have to find and see what that value is and what that vision is and be able to execute it too. That's the other thing where it's one thing to have a vision, it's another to execute it and for you to turn the single family, which as you mentioned, was obvious it was a fourplex. Well, I don't believe you. I don't think it was obvious to everybody. I think you have a certain eye for that stuff, and I'm sure others do too. But um, other people also wouldn't have seen it. And uh, you know, it's it's having that eye for those opportunities, and also seeing the opportunity with student housing. I mean, you're bouncing around from single family to multifamily to student housing. I mean, student housing is a different animal. That's a different type of business model, and, and you went right into it very seamlessly. 
well, from these conversations it was seamless. I know there were hiccups along the way, I'm sure, as you would agree. It's interesting to hear kind of how, how your your investing has evolved and uh, the type of potential you look for. And I really like your quote of if you make life easy for humans, you can charge them more. That's so brilliant. Brilliantly simple. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, I like that a lot. And I, I can see that playing out in property after property after property, assuming that the human in this scenario has the ability to pay. Because sometimes, you know, you can make a really nice, all-inclusive type of package for a resident, but they just don't have the income to do it. So it's knowing your resident who's going to be living there too. So just a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. And do you have any parting words for the best ever listeners? You know, I do actually, you know, you nailed it right there. You got to have, you can't, you know, you can't make this package for somebody who can't afford it. You got to know your market and you got to realize that you're, you're in a real estate business. You're not a real estate investor. You're in the real estate business. So run it like a business and know your target market, you know, and treat your customers really well. So that's it. Thanks for having me, Joe. I really appreciate being here. All right. Thanks a lot, Dale. Goodbye. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.